All right. Now we're in there. Now we're in studio. Now we're getting live. How you doing today, Larry? Good? Yeah, man. Hanging All in right. there. Excited to be here. <laughs> I was telling my Facebook following that uh, I'm going to be on here today, so I'm pretty excited, man. Yeah, so you know it's funny. We were just off off uh, off live here just a second chit chat, and I'm like, this is the only the most professional sounding uh, audio that I've had so far. Every time I have guests on, I'm like, you know, you've got to make sure the better the audio, the better it goes. And they, you know, they use their phones and they put a headphone on it, which is better than not having one. But I'm just like, it's it, it's I can tell already just because you're in your studio in your podcasting studio that. Uh, that is what what, it is, what a good one is going to be. I look in the back right there. See, I see all your little trinkets. I, I guess we're the same. You can see my Hulk and all that stuff in the back. But so this one up off to your, I guess it's my this way, you know, that way. Is that a Star Wars? This one here, the right over your shoulder, the bottom down there, down there. It's it's on the top. It's on the top by the light right there. I'm pointing like you can see this guy here. Yes, yeah, right there. That is actually a ten inch uh, vinyl pop joker oh that's the that joker that's yeah, the joker and most of my <laughs> stuff in the background except for a, a few one-offs is batman related and oh you're the batman related one 100 man batman's always been my avatar honestly uh even back when i was there's a picture of me I'm, I'm like four and we can talk about it more later but i i had to have life saving surgery when i was four years old and just before I go into the hospital, there's a picture of me and I'm standing there with a Batman t-shirt on. So, I mean, this goes way, way back. He's just always been my guy. So, Oh, that's uh, awesome. So who's the favorite Batman though? Man, my, mine's I, Michael Keaton. You know, he's my, he's been oh, my favorite since he did it. But what do you think? Keaton is the classic man. You, it's hard to beat Keaton. I mean, definitely he's from my, you know, my timeline, my generation as well. And I love what he did. But I got to go with Batfleck, man. I think Batfleck really kind of nailed the character. Did you? Did you? That's <laughs> that's yes. Everybody has an opinion on that on the Batman thing. It's awesome. It's really yeah, good. Yeah. So, well, when it, so we got some people popping on now. So this is Larry Roberts, guys. This is an old. This is an old friend of mine from way back in the in in the nineties when I was really competing, and we have a mutual friend and. Uh, so this is Larry Roberts, now a podcasting coach and coaching of, of businessmen. And he, you're a fighter back in the day with martial arts. And so we get to talk about all that kind of fun stuff on, on, on your journey. So with no further ado, Larry, thank you for getting on the podcast with me today. I'm looking forward to this. And believe it or not, I reached out, right? I'm like, I reached out. I, I kept watching you. And I'm like, huh, Larry's doing some podcasting. I remember when you first started it. I, I remember. And I'm like. Look at him. He's doing this podcasting because it's always been a thought process in my head. I want to do that. Yeah. And um, I think I just wanted to do it because I think I wanted to really do I started it because I wanted to have a legacy for uh, my kids. You know what I mean? Uh, so they can see uh, when I'm not here anymore. Wow. They got all this stuff, uh, all these uh, episodes. They can continue watching their dad. They can see me talk and and what I you know, some of the stuff that. I grew up and and that's why I started podcasting. And so I know that why don't you introduce yourself on where you're you're because you're from Texas. Well, I'll let you introduce if you're married and your family and stuff like that. And then we'll get into how we you got started yourself in this thing. Yeah, man. Cool. Thank you once again for having me. I got to tell you, man, I'm a little, I got, I got butterflies and <laughs> I don't get butterflies on podcasts very often, but it's just because of the level of respect that I have for you. 
And when we met way back, I think it was 97, 98 when we met. And, you know, I thought I was the brick-breaking cat daddy back in the day. (laughs) And then you step on the scene. You come in for for Mr. Arnold's martial arts extravaganza. And you show the world what breaking is really all about. (laughs) And I was just blown away. So... (laughs) I've always had the utmost respect for you to be on your yeah, show today. It's that. it's really an honor, man. It's really great. So, but yeah, yeah my name is Larry good. Roberts. Uh, I do podcasting and podcast consulting full time now. Uh, Podcastboost.com is my website. And uh, I live just outside of Dallas in a little suburb called Louisville. Lived in Texas most of my life early on in some of my single digit years. Uh, the parents, they drug me out to California where we hung out in Stockton for a few years but uh, bounced back to Texas, I don't know, right there, maybe nine, 10 years old, and I've been here ever since. So uh, it's been an interesting journey (laughs) during all that time, but I do have two children of my own. One's 29 and one is 26. My daughter is 29, and she just gave birth to her second child about two weeks ago. So pretty exciting there. Yeah, that's... So my son just turned 29, and so I, I, I've got children the same age as you do, and uh, so, which means we're pretty much old. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, we're pretty much old, man. Keep, so, it, it's so funny. I hate when I go on a podcast and I go, hey, do you remember such and such? And they're like, no, I have no idea what you're talking You didn't see that movie or you didn't hear that song? No, I've never heard. I'm like, dang it, I am old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, you know, I, I believe this extravaganza that you're talking to, you want to hear a funny story. I don't know if you know the story. I probably um, don't because I, what's the little town that Rick's in? Um, Sherman, uh, Sherman. Right. Yeah. So, so they fly me in, right. And they say, Hey, Mr. Cox, we're going to have a, a private plane take you from, I, I guess it was wherever I came in Dallas or whatever I came in to Sherman. And I'm thinking, Oh, okay. It's going to be awesome. You know? <laughs> so I'm like, I get in and they take me to this little private thing and there's two jets. One is a puddle jumper. Yeah. And one is this sleek private jet, this sleek one. And I'm like, what this, I better not be getting in the puddle jumper. <laughs> and sure enough, here they come. And that's what I'm getting in. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. This little four seater, whatever. Uh the the owner of Easy Pay at the time, this was his plane. Um, gosh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but and I'm like, oh my gosh. And they have to weigh, you know, okay, how much do you do this? And they gotta put it. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I had to take that plane from there to Sherman. And that's the only time I said, okay, well, I'm up here. I might as well fly it because I'll get that off my bucket list. And they, they turn it over to me. I'm in the front and I'm like, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And this thing is like, I'm like, so I probably flew the plane for a good 45 seconds. <laughs> that bucket list was done. And then off the wind. And that's how I got to Rick Arnold's extravaganza that day. That is that too was, funny. <laughs> that's I had how no that, idea you flew into, uh, you had to have flown into Perrin Air Force Base there in, in Grayson County, there in North, uh, North Sherman. That is too funny. I had no idea. No yeah, idea. That's that's how it happened. I'll never forget it. Because I was like so excited to be in the big one, the big, this private jet. And I'm thinking, boy, these Texas boys have got some awesome martial arts schools if they're <laughs> if they're <laughs> they're taking me up like this. And uh, no, that just wasn't the case. Not even, not even at all. And so that was such a funny thing. 
So let's talk. Well, let's start where interesting that you said you had. I didn't know this about you that you had a life saving in when you were a youngster. Then, huh? You yeah, had man. Uh, some and, medical issues. You know, it, it's interesting because it it had a huge impact on me as a martial artist. Eventually, even um, I was born with an inverted sternum. So my sternum was growing in while all my organs were growing out. And well, bones are always going to win that war. So it was getting to the point where I couldn't breathe. My heart couldn't beat. And eventually I was going to suffocate myself to death just by growing. So when I was four, they had to go in and do what they call a sternotomy. And it's basically just a reconstruction of your entire uh, uh, chest area. They break the sternum in multiple places, maybe cut some ribs off, maybe reattach. And they had to reshape everything because it went from being concave to what is naturally convex. And I mm -hmm. had to be there for that. So, um, they put me through that and it saved my life. So that's great. But although we didn't realize it till later in life, it also had some, some negative impacts overall on my physical abilities. Uh, it left me very frail. I was very, very thin. Even when I met you, I think I was, I was this height and I was probably weighing in about a buck 55 back then. So super tall, about six foot three and a buck 55. So, you know, I'm basically just a stick walking around, but something we didn't know until I really started getting heavily involved in fighting was the impact that it had on my lungs. It also mm. caused my lungs to be deformed. So my chest is very, very narrow and my lungs actually come up like above my clavicles. Even they go up into this area and go way down almost to my hips. And they also only have about 60% of normal lung capacity. So no matter how hard I train, no matter how hard I hit the bike or how far I jog with the weight vest on, Cardio only got to be to a certain level and that was always frustrating. Uh, it was, it was, I, I, and I had no idea why, you know, I trained just as hard as everybody else, but everybody else could develop this cardio and go on and on and on where I'm sitting over here, you know, sucking wind, uh, after three, four rounds. And it wasn't until I worked for Texas instruments and I was on their hazmat squad that I actually had to qualify for a level a hazardous material suit, which is. Uh, also, you have the SCBA or like a scuba gear without being underwater. And in order to qualify for that, you have to do a lung capacity test. And that's when it came to the forefront. Mm. And I only had about 60 to 62% lung capacity. So that started answering a whole ton of questions. But as you know, as, as a karate guy, you know, as a hardcore karate guy, you were a fighter, you were, you're, you have that true warrior spirit. You can't go back to the gym and go, well, guys, gosh, darn it. I only have 60% lung capacity. So <laughs> that's why I can't keep up. Yeah. It's, it's just not something you can do. So it was something that I fought hard to overcome, um, and failed to do so in the end. So it was, uh, super impactful. So it's, so when let's then once you went there, <clears throat> what was it like to, um, of course that's, a uh, in, you know, a martial artist's in, intuitive is to, I'm going to overcome whatever this is. I'm just going to overcome it. Sure. So how were, how old were you? I mean, where, let's just talk about your martial arts career first, because, you know, that's what people, people on some of this are going to be interested. So did you start with Rick Arnold or did you know Rick Arnold? And, um, how did you start fighting, fighting and how many rings, you know, how many fights did you have? Uh, I met Rick Arnold 
uh, I knew who Rick Arnold was, and I always watched him from afar. Uh, I grew up in a trailer park, and there's this major dichotomy there because I also went to a private school, but I grew up in a trailer park there in Sherman. And so my parents never could afford for me to take karate. My grandmother actually paid for me to go to the private school, and that's part of the whole chess thing because when I was starting kindergarten, they wanted to put me someplace where I would be protected and sheltered and maybe not impacted by some of the rigors that you run into, into in public school. You know, none of the fighting mm -hmm. or any of that kind of stuff, so they could shelter me. But also being frail, also growing up in a uh, not exactly a middle-income family, actually very lower-end family, uh, also growing up in a violent home, I always wanted to fight. And I knew that if I knew how to fight, that it would solve everything. You know, I could beat up my stepdad because he was smacking my mom around and I didn't want to see that no more. Uh, I could beat up everybody that was bullying me for being skinny. I could pull myself up and actually be something tough instead of this little frail little guy that was born with this birth defect. So martial arts and karate were always something that just fascinated me. And I always thought it was the solution to all my problems. You know, mm. I grew up in the 80s, early 80s. What's going on then? Ninjas are everywhere, bro. Ninjas are everywhere. And I thought <laughs> I wanted to be a ninja. It's, and even to this day, you probably know who Stephen K. Hayes is. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I'm friends with Mr. Hayes on Facebook. And how cool is that to just somebody that I idolized as a child to be friends with on Facebook? So that was kind of cool. But anyways, you'd always find me just in the yard or in a tree or something, being a ninja or practicing this kick or that punch or whatever. And I got into a lot of fights as well in an effort to just kind of prove myself. Um, but I didn't really get into martial arts until my teenage years, uh, actually taking real classes. And I started off in Kenpo Karate, and I started off with John West uh, there in Denison, Texas. And man, uh, the whole timeline is a little blurred there, but for Mr. West, he had a student named Phil Berthoff. And then I became a student of Mr. Berthoff, who was, I believe at the time third. And when he passed away, he was fourth Dan in American Kempo. Uh, and then for Mr. Berthoff, I went over to Mr. Arnold. And uh, at Mr. Arnold's gym really kind of taught me <laughs> what the difference was between karate and fighting. <laughs> He's a beast. Okay. He, Rick Arnold is a beast. Now there's no doubt. Yeah, there's no doubt about it whatsoever. And I still remember the very first night, the very first night I'm training uh, at his gym with the, with the fight team. And they're, they're putting me through the paces. And, of course, being the new guy, you're probably going to get green lit a little bit. You know, see, if you're, see how tough you are. See if you come back, you know. And they put me through the paces. And Mr. Chad Witcher you're watching this chad i know you probably are if you're watching this right now he hit me and, and by the way chad witcher was a heavyweight at the time probably about 220 here i am buck 55 and he hits me with this turn kick catches me right behind the ear Boop, and down i go i'm out so that was my initiation into kickboxing slash fighting as compared to self-defense techniques you know from the kempo uh, line of uh, line of thinking Yes, but uh, I came back. I came back time and time again, and eventually earned their respect. And then eventually joined Mr. Arnold and joined his his school at America's Best, and uh, was there for several years. And we had a ton of excellent times. 
Uh, he took me from just being a, what I would say is just a karate guy going through the motions and thinking that he understood what was up to actually, it's kind of hard to say it without sounding cheesy, but he kind of, he was my, my guiding light to actually being a tough, like a man, you know, like what we, we, we called a man back in the nineties things have evolved these days, but he, he helped me grow from being that young boy into understanding what it was like to be a man, what it was like to take responsibility for your actions, what it was like to, to persevere, what it was like to accept challenges head on and do exactly whatever is necessary to overcome those challenges and come out better on the other side. So, uh, he was uh, just paramount in my evolution as a martial artist and as a human being. Yeah, he's he's one that I have slotted to want to come on. You know, he, I had him out too when I opened up a second location. I flew him out many years ago and uh, let him speak to my uh, my team and stuff like that. He's just a uh, he, yeah, he's a dynamite guy. You, you couldn't uh, you, you couldn't ask for a better man if you if you're looking for some mentorship for sure. You know, so he's yeah, strong strong guy, strong strong family too. Yeah. So so did you so. Let's talk about your fighting. How many fights did you actually have? Overall, kickboxing, I had nine, and I went nine and zero. Oh, so he, 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 Mr. Arnold, definitely knows how to teach people how to kick and punch. So he did a great job there. Yeah. Uh, but I only fought three rounders. You know, in, in Texas, in, in kickboxing, <clears throat> amateur kickboxing, you you do three two minute rounds. And I'll tell you, you know, going back to the whole sixty percent lung capacity thing, some of those rounds were extremely frustrating. Some of those rounds were very, very difficult because it was, I was always great out of the gate. You know, the first round, round and a half, maybe two rounds, uh, I'm going to handle business. But that third round was usually a struggle. Mm. Um, I know there was more than one fight where the fight was over. And before they announced the winner, I only had one TKO in, in all of those nine fights. But uh, I, I know there were a couple where I went to my opponents and said, man, great job. You know, you really, you, 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 you whooped me. You, you came out on top, but yet I would still get the decision because of I, you know the, what I had done in the first round, run and a half, two rounds. Um, but yeah, it was, it was always a struggle. It was always a struggle. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, yeah, fighting is, uh, fighting is something I just really enjoyed. You know, I, I wish I could have seen you do some of that stuff back in the day. So, you know, so after that, so you talked about breaking. Is yeah, that where you started? Yeah. Did you start that with, uh, with Rick? Is that where you started? Cause I, you know, that was my big, you know, I guess, oh, I don't know, claim to fame or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Right. At, at those times is what I was out going all over the United States and doing. And so, you know, he had me come out to do that. So how did you get involved in, in that? <laughs> Again, just all of martial arts was my obsession and breaking is, you know, a traditional part of martial arts. So I specifically remember the very first time I broke anything, I was at grandma's house and I went in her backyard and she had her garden lined out in bricks, just regular bricks, red bricks. And I picked one up and kind of dusted it off and set it between two more bricks and just hit the dang thing as hard as I could. <laughs> and it broke. I was like, oh, this is so cool. So as that started happening, I started increasing the breaks and increasing the, the, the technique. I would watch others that would break and try to pick up on it. Every once in a while, you could catch breaking on ESPN. Very mm -hmm. rare, but every once in a while, you'd get a little ISK or something on there, and there'd be some breaking demonstrations. And I was just taking in everything I could and attempting everything I could to break anything that perceived to be concrete. 
Uh, I didn't focus much on breaking wood. And I never was that good at it, to be honest with you, as far as breaking the wood goes. I mean, I'd get my three or four boards or whatever it was back in the day with the with the step-through sidekick. But it just wasn't something that I really focused on. I really, I just loved the thought and the power behind breaking concrete. It just seemed so <laughs> powerful. And yes. You know, when I met you, I, I had continued. I had just, uh, we had we had a, like a dry run or a dress rehearsal or a family only type set up for that martial arts extravaganza. And I had done, uh, I had done 10 of the scalloped gardening bricks that time. And that night that we, we did the extravaganza, I was attempting my personal best of 12. And uh, well, I came up one short, the initial strike got 11. And then, of course, I followed through and got that last one after dusting off my shame and dusting off my embarrassment of the rubble and popped that last one. And, and yeah, I remember and that. But, but uh, yeah, I remember it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I, I, I remember the show really well. And then because, uh, you know, I have that on video. Um, I've got I it somewhere that, on VHS, yeah, but I, I don't that, know if yeah. it's even any good anymore. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll pop it out there from what that what what that was. It was uh it was fun. Breaking was fun for me. I thought that, um, you know, Jason Flame had me on his podcast and we talked a little bit about that. And I just felt that that was something um, when I first saw it that I said, I, I can do that. And it was hard to find somebody to teach me certain things. And then when you start doing specialty breaks, that's what really um, took off for me. And I had some yeah, I had some world championships and stuff like that. I don't, you know, it's funny. I don't talk about it as like I used to. I mean, it was my life for a while, but you know, I found out that in a long time that sometimes what was really important to me at sometimes is not quite as important as what it is today. You know yeah. what I mean? All the trophies and all the acclimates, and you know, uh, I remember back at that time it served my it purpose for me back then is because it made me feel like I was achieving something. So that's something I guess I needed. And, uh, you know, it was just something I, you know, it was a pain in the ass. I'm not going to lie. I mean, every time we went out into another one, you had to go to Lowe's and <laughs> you pick up freaking bricks and then you got to make sure you have all that. And, and, you know, the tournament scene was what it is, but Texas boys now that, I mean, that's, that's, you know, San Antonio, Texas is where I won one of them. And, uh, I do have that on, on video, but that is, you know, uh, that's that's where probably some of the toughest breaking I ever uh, competition I ever did was in in San Antonio, Texas, and that's where I learned about Dick's Restaurant. Uh, on this, <laughs> sponsor all of a sudden I was like, oh, no, uh, oh we're so doing a reading now. So I, I, I was, I'm going down this way, right, and I'm like, we're walking down the thing, and I'm like, Dick's Restaurant, that's interesting. And so we go in there, and then that's exactly how they treat you, right? And I'm like. Man, I want to smash this freaking dude. That's what I, I just kept thinking in my head. I'm going to smash this kid. Okay. If he, if he talks rude to me one more time. And, and I mean, I'm getting hyped and people are just laughing because they know my personality until I f realized that this is the whole joke. They treat you like a dick. And that's why it's <laughs> called dicks. And I was like, oh my goodness. I'm like, I said, you know, I just, I told the kid, I said, I just got done smashing things like 15 bricks and, like, that's what I wanted to do to your head. And so <laughs> I, and I remember, I remember it totally in San Antonio, Texas walk. I don't know why that just brought me back to that, that just talking about that when, uh, when I won that, that championship and that's where we went on that river walk in San Antonio. And that's where that all came to. 
That is hilarious. I really so thought that's... you were doing a commercial. I, <laughs> no, that's that's when I found dicks, and you can too. <laughs> and so that's, 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 it was so, of course, we, you know, we bought stickers and, you know, inappropriate stickers and put it on. I don't know. Did I put it on Rick Arnold's car? I may have. I don't. I don't. I have to remember because <laughs> it was so out of his character to do something like that, and that's probably yeah. something I did do. And so that was just funny. That just brought me back. That memory just brought me back. And I, I and I remember when you came up and asked me about breaking and stuff like that. And it, there was, believe it or not, you, you know, having some size and you 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 being super tall made things a little bit easier. You know, you all, when you watch me break fifteen or twenty, you know, you see I'd have to stand up on something in yeah, order to, yeah. to, to be uh, on top of the and have a good, you know, perpendicular line and how I taught you how to, you know, you, you know, and how I like to break was I want to make enough force because I could just smash things, right? Like the Hulk. Yeah. But I wanted the finesse. I wanted to have so much enough power just to break it where all the bricks kind of stay in line. That's was used to be my forte. And then all the kids would come and take pictures with it and stuff like that. So I remember that you know, made me feel good when, when, uh, I was able to coach. Cause I, it was hard for me to find any coaching, uh, for that, you know, it was, it was a lot of soft self-taught and stuff like that. So yeah, every time I talk to you, man, it just kind of brings me back to those days. It was kind of <laughs> fun. You know, it was, it was my life for a long time. And, uh, and, and now, uh, you know, what getting, getting acclimates for it back then is, I guess is great. You know, one no, of these times I'll cool, tell man. you the story, man, about, about that i've got some other podcasts and I'll, I'll i'll direct it to you and you can hear about some of the lessons i learned in competition from there so but that was great so let's say so we went from martial arts from from rick and then i started watching you podcast so what made you start decide that you hey this is something that because you know first of all you got this awesome voice for it right you got a really good voice for for uh podcasting and i i remember watching you and like he's just having fun out there man He's just having a good time. And so that's what made you started, decide? Man. And, and that's a major gap there, too, between when the, the martial arts days and being with Rick Arnold and being a part of the America's Best Family all the way to podcasting. A whole lot of life took place in that time. And podcasting was something that I fell into after I got out of rehab. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Martial arts went from martial arts to alcohol and from alcohol to rehab and almost checked out as a matter of fact. And it was a very, uh, a very pivotal day. I remember, uh, after about a two and a half week bender sitting on the couch, uh, out of work, not, I, I was calling out of work. I was still employed, thankfully. Um, and it, this epiphany hit me. Basically said, hey, bro, uh, tomorrow's not going to happen if you don't get help today. And uh, I managed to reach out to a friend of mine, said, hey, man, uh, I'm about to check out and I need some help right now. And wheels started turning, things got into motion. And next thing you know, they're they're sweeping, uh, swooping back to the house to pick me up and run me off to rehab where I was immediately taken to the hospital where I spent about four days uh, for alcohol poisoning. That was my second visit to the hospital back in 2013. Uh, in that year for alcohol poisoning. I'd also done it back in July of that year. But this time was a little more severe. Uh, I was in the spittal for about four days before I went back to the rehab facility where I spent seven weeks and got sober. Been sober ever since. So very thankful for that. So uh, how how old were you when that, and did you have babies at the time? You had your children, your wife stuck with you and all that? My first time. wife and I, which are, is the mother of my children, 
uh, we divorced after about seven years. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, that's, that's another aspect of the whole thing. Um, the martial arts kind of, it, it definitely, it changed my life and it saved my life. And it put me in a position to structural my, structure myself mentally to overcome a ton of different things. Do I think I would be sober now without the perseverance I had learned from martial arts? No. Um, but also That's it awesome. empowered me. It empowered me and I didn't handle it properly. And that was a massive mistake. And, you know, truth be told, Rick Arnold and I, we had a major falling out. Uh, he kicked me out of the karate school and I deserved every bit of it. Uh, but I had, and when, when you had, when I had met you, I was really on top of my game back then. I mean, focus, uh, fighting, everything was, was just clicking and it was on point and my ego was starting to spiral out of control uh, hmm. and my ego outgrew. Uh, I, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to handle being on stage. I didn't know how to handle winning fights in a ring with people watching and little kids coming up to you after the fact and handing you all, although granted it's a local event, they're handing you the flyer for this local event, asking for your autograph. I'm thinking I'm the cat daddy, man. I am on top of the world. I'm untouchable. I'm super cool. And everybody wants me. And it started to show. I mean, I, I remember specifically just a, a point karate tournament. We went to in Oklahoma and there was a, a kid there that um, I didn't really care for him all that well, but I did not like him. I just, we just weren't really friends. We knew each other. And um, it's a black belt. Uh, it was a black belt match. And in Oklahoma, you can draw blood. So we were hitting a little bit harder than we probably should have been. And uh, he hits me with a jump back kick, which that was not cool at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, just square the chest, just oh, that sucked. And it was wasn't that it hurt; it was just it, it hurt the ego, is what it hurt. And we go back to the line, and I go from point fighting, I go right into kickboxing stance, and I go boom, I pop him with the right hand, his nose explodes, and I figure it's over. And I'm talking all kinds of trash, and I'm high fiving my friends, and ego, ego, ego. Well, this dude's tougher than I thought he was. And he comes back to the line. He just shoves some Kleenex in his nose and pops back to the line. So I'm like, okay. So, you know, we bow in, here we go. I do the exact same thing, pop him right back in the nose. This time his nose just really explodes and he drops down. And when he drops down, I lunge over him like an idiot. And I pull my fist back. Like I'm going to smack him when he's on the ground, total arrogance, total just <clears throat> dick move. If you want to talk about being a dick, that is exactly what that was. The gym starts booing me out of the gym. Parents are there. I mean, this is just a karate tournament, and here I am acting <laughs> like an idiot. And Rick Arnold was very less than pleased, and I had driven to the tournament with Mr. Arnold, and uh, I got myself an earful on the way back. And that was kind of the first time that it was really, really obvious that my arrogance and my ego were getting out of control. And it just got worse, and it just got worse. And... Eventually, I, I received a call from Mr. Arnold. He goes, hey, uh, you need to go ahead and just put that key on the under the back mat there at the school. He goes, you can either do that right now or I'll meet you at four and you can give it to me personally. And that was more of him saying, either you go put it under the mat or I'm going to whoop your ass. So, no, <laughs> <laughs> so I said, all right, I'll be right there and the key will be under the mat. So, mm -hmm. and, and that was that. You know, He kicked me out of the school. I was no longer welcome at America's Best, and and rightfully so. And years and years passed, but I still continued to train. Uh, but now I was training with fighters, and I was going to be the the MMA guy, and I was still going to make it to the UFC, and I was just going to be super, super tough. 
and <laughs> and uh, so things progress. Yeah, things. <laughs> yeah, I laugh now, man, but it wasn't funny then. But um, things progressed, and I was training with like Pete Spratt and some other fighters, and we were just being tough guys in the gym. And I was training for a fight uh, in Louisiana, and we had gone down to Houston. And we were training with, uh, we were at Saul Solis's gym. And if you know who Saul Solis is, I mean, he's a champion, a world champion trainer, <clears throat> trained the likes of Rico Rodriguez and Tito Ortiz. And I mean, he still trains fighters in the UFC to this day. And just as a side note, Saul is actually in the hospital right now in Houston fighting for his life with COVID. So oh, best boy. wishes to Saul and, and prayers for Saul and his family as mm -hmm. well. So um, I just found out about that two days ago. So uh, hopefully he recovers from that. But we were down there uh, training for a fight. I had a fight the next night in Louisiana. And I was rolling with Eve Edwards at the time. And Saul walks by. And we, weren't, we hadn't been rolling for long. But, I mean, I am rolling with Eve Edwards, who was like the number one lightweight in the UFC at the time. And, he, of course, he's just tooling me. And I'm out of breath. And Saul walks by and he goes, your cardio is a bit suspect, bro. <laughs> and man you know it, that sounds so small that sounds mm -hmm. so like nothing like it should be like yeah. okay i should acknowledge that i need to train harder but what it did was it really reinforced the fact that you're not gonna do this you're not gonna ever be on these guys level no matter how hard you train no matter what you do this isn't mm -hmm. your path in life you're not going to be a UFC fighter. Let's get back to reality. You're probably going to be some kind of bean counter or something behind a desk. And everything changed. And honestly, from that day forward, I quit training. I didn't fight that next night. I got sick. Mm. Uh, you know, and I wasn't sick. It's, it's very obvious. Pete Spratt won his first world championship that very next night against Rich Clemente. They fought there in Louisiana, and I'm sitting there cage side. I'm cornering Pete. I'm too sick to fight myself, but I'm, I'm just fine right. for you, yeah. yelling and screaming at Pete and telling him what to do. Uh, so mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, that was really it, man. That was really the last time that I trained. Um, I went through the motions a couple of times thinking I'm going to come back with a kickboxing fight, whatever. And, of course, it never did anything. But I supplemented that, that absence now with partying. I just started partying and uh, I had never partied hard my entire life. Yeah. I mean, I'd had some drinks and maybe been to the club a few times, but I never partied and I started partying and I did it for years and years and years. And after about a decade started catching up with me, started impacting things, started having negative impacts on all aspects of my life, negative impacts on my relationships, negative impacts on the relationship with my kids and full disclosure. My daughter still doesn't speak to me to this day. Uh, we get an occasional text back and forth, happy birthday, Merry Christmas, happy new year, but it doesn't go beyond that. I haven't even met my grandchildren as of yet. So, and I have two, mm. um, my son and I, we speak, we speak regularly, but he lives in, he lives in San Antonio now and he's doing his thing down there. I haven't seen him. I, I haven't seen either of my children. This is <laughs> rough to admit since I've been out of rehab and that was back in 2013. So I haven't spent any time with them since then. Still working. Well, on, trying to establish that relationship again well i think wow that see this is this is the kind of stuff that comes on my on my show where this is real life stuff this is yeah this is the stuff that i had life-changing stuff just like you're talking about in and you know martial arts helped helped it and i you know i went to the wayside on 
certain things diff- a different way, but and gone through divorce and all that myself and know what that what that world looks like. <clears throat> but you know, not having your children. So one thing I can say, if your children ever do watch you or whatever that is, how <laughs> as I turn sixty, one thing I can tell you is what used to be life is such a short thing that if there's any a time that amends can be made i would certainly i would certainly make that because you can't make it after it's gone you know what i mean it's yeah, just right one on. of those things that you got to live with and so if they ever listen to you and i talking or or something to that that effect you know uh, it is it's just always amazing that as good as we can do in life, we do one bad thing, and it, it it can haunt us and 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 put a direction on on personal life that just can't come back from. So, you know, even sharing that was is is pretty awesome. You know what I mean? I I think that, uh, you know, how did that did well with Rick? Did 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 you co- go back to Rick at all and make amends with Rick on on how that went down or? Yeah, we did. We, we definitely him. did. There were several years that passed, and I don't remember who reached out to who, but since then we've worked together on a couple uh-huh. of those tournaments as well. He's brought me out. I actually went to Louisiana a couple of years ago and announced uh, a big tournament that they had there. So we, we we definitely stay in contact. We've seen each other, and, and we communicate from time to time as well. So Yeah, see, uh, I see he's just that type of a man. He's a he's super godly man for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And so he lives his life. Uh, that way so that doesn't it doesn't surprise me but even listening to your story on on me doing the same thing on some students and seeing how you talk about it now and and how you you know decided that you're going to redirect uh you know your life from there and the impacts of our decisions i mean it's yeah I mean, it's kind of heart-wrenching for me in here man i kind of feel for you down there. Well, you know I, I mean? appreciate so. that. And, but you know, one of the things that I like to tell everybody, Mr. Cox, is that just because, and I'm actually in the middle of writing a book now, which is basically stories of my life and lessons learned along the way, it doesn't necessarily define you. Mm-hmm. The mistakes you made before, they don't have to define you. The, 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 the victimhood that you experienced at one time in your life, that doesn't have to define you. And those mistakes that I made in the past, and, and, and the ego overwhelming everything that doesn't have to be my legacy. That doesn't have to be what defines me across the, uh, across time. And even when I'm gone, that doesn't necessarily define me. What I think needs to define each and every one of us out there is what we do today, what we recognize from the past and the lessons that we learn from the past and how we've taken those lessons and move forward and excel beyond where we were at our highest of highs and most definitely our lowest of lows as well. And that's my message today is it doesn't have to define you, man. It, it doesn't, you know, coming with a birth defect, that doesn't have to define you. Having 60% lung capacity doesn't have to define you. Uh, being divorced from my first wife, that doesn't have to define me. I, I'm in what is today? What is today? This week, as a matter of fact, I think uh, Thursday. Is that the 19th? Thursday? Yes. Uh-huh. It's my 20th wedding anniversary with my wife now. 20 years. So that's huge. And she stayed with me through all that nonsense. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Right. Yeah, that's so, awesome. So I would love for something like that to be the legacy. Let that be an example that no matter what you go through, if you have a strong support system, if you lift each other up through the good times and the bad in sickness and in health, that's what the that's what the vows say, right? 
That's what that they say. You can have that be your legacy and that can define you. So that's kind of where yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm headed these days, man. That's good. Well, that's uh, such a story, man, that you get to. That's why I think that storytelling is so impactful for everybody that um, when you're, you know, that's that's why I called it what it was, you know, <coughs> excuse me, Um, you know, just real talk, you know, because there's stories about in my world, there's story about that martial arts school has every walks of life that come in it. OK, when the, and they step into the mat and. And it still happens today, you know, women that have been involved in extreme uh, violence and they're trying to overcome this and they break down on the mat and they cry and they can't, you know, uh, men that have cried on my shoulder, same, same as you, you and I have gone through major divorces and, and still, I, I just had a talk last night with another gentleman listening to his life story from his time in Vietnam and, and on and. It's just, you know, I don't know. Life, life is a uh, life is awesome. Life is not Facebook likes. I can tell you that. Okay, <laughs> not at uh, all. We man. took the selfie today. Hey, look at my arm today. Look at I'm in the gym, and the rest of the day was shit. You know what I mean? So it's just, <laughs> you, you, it's just that's just, you know, it's 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 awesome to just to hear. So because I reached out to you, you know, um, when I saw you get into coaching, because yeah, now yeah. now you get. You know, tell me that that doesn't help you in your coaching when you start, oh. when, when you get to talk to other people, Hey man, this is where I was, this is where you get to be. Okay. So you, you that, can't that's say the thing, man, that's so cool because uh, you know, I'm, I'm 49, I'm about to be 49 in, in three weeks, two weeks, I guess the 30th of this month, I'll be, I'll be 49 and you know, 49 years, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of time on this planet. So it gives you an opportunity to have something to coach from. You know, right. mm -hmm. coaching is guiding and I don't know who can guide you that hasn't had some sort of experience to be able to recognize where you're at on your path and guide you in the direction that you're wanting to go. And that's what podcasting did for me, man. You know, it gave me that opportunity. I came out of rehab, like I said, back in, it was early 14, like January of, of 14. And I was lost for about a year. I was really just trying to, to figure things out because even just functioning sober was a relatively new experience, right? Getting back into society, getting back and trying to make up for some of the massive, massive mistakes and the massive damage that I did all those years. And I eventually was coaxed into listening to Joe Rogan. <laughs> buddy of mine at work he's like dude you all because i'm i've never even 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 as an alcoholic i never missed a ufc since 1993 november of 1993 when the ufc hit the scene never missed a show never i've got a closet in there with vhs tapes double stacked deep of all the ufcs and tons of other mixed martial arts promotions as well but back in the day i recorded them on vhs up until what was it i don't know maybe ufc 203 or so right mm -hmm. several years back and then of course everything started going digital so but i, I i'm just a huge massive fight fan and this guy knew that he knew that life revolved around the ufc for me and he goes look he's already part of the ufc you'll love what he has to say give it a listen I'm like, fine, but whatever. Podcasts are for nerds. I don't have time for this crap. So, <laughs> but I listened to it, man. And that episode happened to have a couple of modern day comedians. Joey Diaz was one. Tony Hinchcliffe was another. And I can't remember who else was there. 
And I was blown away at the content that I heard on this podcast because comedy was always an outlet for me as well. And of course, coming up from the eighties, we had some of the, some of the most hardcore comics ever back in the eighties with the dice clays and the Sam Kinnison's and the Carlin's and oh, all those so guys. The woke, the woke people could never deal with them today. No, no. And I mean, truth be told, Kinnison was getting canceled before cancel was cool. So, <laughs> uh, but I love the guys. And when I heard this content, I thought, oh my God, this is something that will give me that outlet that I want to do. So I started a podcast that was a comedy podcast and it was blue. It was very blue. And, uh, it turned out to be great though. I mean, we had tons of listeners. Uh, we took the podcast to a live stage. We turned that stage of the podcast into an open mic for comedians in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And still to this day, it is an ongoing and one of the largest mics outside of a comedy club in the DFW Metroplex. Not to mention that my co-host Jamie Gravy just signed, just started two weeks ago, his residency as the opening comic for Eddie Griffin at the New Sahara in Las Vegas. And it uh, all started on that podcast. How cool is that? That's awesome. That is an awesome story. <laughs> so just once again, right? So the, these stories that you hear from people that start these little podcasts and what you started, that's awesome. And so, I, cause I remember, I remember the comedy, man. Cause I was laughing, right? I was watching it going, this is freaking funny. Okay. <laughs> and that's where I started. Why that's, that's really kind of where I, I, I kind of kept an eye on, on what you were doing and then continually watching and then you then you started putting out there the coaching part of it, you know, yeah. and that you're doing this. And I'm like, well, I'm going to reach out to him. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's awesome. I feel that uh, you can when if you go to a source that has some kind of uh, idea or been down rocky roads, you can alleviate a lot of headache in what you're doing. Because I never knew where this, where this is going to go. I, mm -hmm. I, I didn't re I don't even really realize how many people really kind of listen, you know what I mean? And, and then you get feedback and I'm like, Oh, maybe this is something. And then I've learned to really enjoy it because I've got a lot of life under my belt and I like hearing other people's life. And, and, uh, because we're kind of designed to do life together. And so if there's something that you can, that you have that is going to impact something that you've said today is going to impact um, somebody. Cause I have another, I have another female that was, you know, uh, I'm going to have her on one time and I'll let her tell her story, but she, she was a hardcore matter of fact, she was such an alcoholic that I had, uh, one of my students, a CHP officer that was in there when they blew and he called me and he goes, Hey, do you have a student? And I said, I do. He goes, she just blew the highest ever in the whole thing and she's still functioning i said now i'm telling you something she is a beast of a of a specimen as, as far as hell you know other than that and she has completely turned her life around this last year and a half same same type of story and so you know i don't know if you agree with me or not but this is where this woke culture i'm listening to what you're saying and it's almost like we're not allowed to have any any anything from behind because it's just going to come back and and haunt you yep. for something you said or something you did. It doesn't matter that you completely turned your life around because of it, you know. And I've told my own children. I said this comes to a point where you're not allowed to make mistakes or you have to hide your mistakes. You can't talk about your mistakes. You can't grow from your mistakes. You can't be 
hey, yeah, I kind of used to use that word back in the day. I didn't really, didn't really, wasn't really realizing that that could have been that way. And so, you know, seeing, uh, you know, as a coach, you know, when you called me, you know, first of all, you, you know, you have to have students that are coachable, right? To be a coach, you want to work with somebody that's coachable. And so how are you going about that now? What is it you do? Because I have a lot of people that like to do these podcasting. So I want to, you know, we're going to fast forward here to where you're at today and how you're helping others. So let's talk about your coaching. Yeah. I mean, I actually left corporate America back in January 4th of this year, and I've been doing podcasting and coaching and consulting full time since then. And I, I had a 21 year career with the same company, man. They were with me through thick and thin and everything in between. And podcasting grew so exponentially over the last year and a half, two years, that it gave me that opportunity to jump out and do it on my own. And I'm very, very thankful for that opportunity. I'm excited about helping others pursue that same goal. And I do that through my company, Podcast Boost. And, you know, one of the things that I do that's so much different than I think most other podcasting, coaching, and consultants uh, do is I help people realize their own unique gifts. I focus on the individual and what that individual brings to the table, regardless of what topic they're talking about. So we focus on creating a personal podcast brand. And that's so unique for everybody that's out there. You know, right now there's about two and a half million podcasts as of J uh, July 28th. There's about 2.5 million podcasts out there in the podosphere. And about 20% of those are active. And that's because a lot of times people will start a podcast and they won't fulfill those maybe Joe Rogan-esque delusions of grandeur that they have when they come yeah. on the scene and they get frustrated and they quit. Uh, I try to help people realize who they are, where they're coming from, and what the biggest differences are between what they may perceive as their end goal. And we can keep that end goal, but what we might want to focus on is something just a little more realistic in the meantime and understand that how the Joe Rogans get their $100 million con uh, contracts with Spotify, how the host of Call Her Daddy just got her $30 million contract with Spotify. Not saying none of that's feasible because it is, but we got to keep it in perspective and doing that and focusing on you and what you bring to the table for your ideal listener is the key in starting your own podcast and finding that, that level of success. Right. And I, I think that's what I called and I asked you, right? Cause, and that was one of the first questions you asked me, what is it that you're, and, and I remember I, 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 and I told you then, and I said, you know, I don't really know. I, I, I just have all this experience in life and I know, uh, you know, I know a lot of people that have great stories that I want other people to hear. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I've gone through some, you know, cause you know, right. You know, we could go down martial arts roads. I can go down weight loss roads. I can go down a single dad road. Um, cause I raised my own children and you know, um, what, all those things, all those, all that life that's been on top of me and what's molded me to be today. <clears throat> and so you asked me that same question and believe it or not, I still like, I, I just don't, I, I don't, uh, I don't know. I could see that I, I really enjoy this. I really enjoy this. You know what I mean? Listening to you. Cause uh, today 
is right every time I get on there and you really get to learn about somebody else, I'm like, wow, man, this is uh there's some heart wrenching stuff in there. And it makes you want to follow you even more and say, I know exactly where this guy went, came from and where he's at today. And or I hear the story. Let me tell you something. I got a friend named Larry who's been down your same road. You need to listen to this. Listen to this and then you get back to me and after you listen. And so I think that just as a coach, I remember you asked these questions and I and I still have those those doubts. I really don't I really don't know. I guess people I don't know, as a coach, do you feel that they don't know what they can really bring to the table? You know what I mean? I started this off as fun. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know where it can go. I see that it grows. I, I, and I don't know if I'm all over the place when I'm doing my things or if I should just focus in on one thing. So, I mean, that's how, how, how you go about coaching when you have people that are, you know, I, I, I'm a great coach on the, on the floor, right? I'm, right, I'm right. really good there, right? right? I can, I can help, help take you from where you don't think you are up to this next level if you want to be coached. And do you feel that's that's how you coach? How do yeah, you coach? Yeah, 100%. 100%. The, the, the big thing that I like to focus on is what are your goals? Your goals, from what I'm hearing you say, Mr. Cox, is that you enjoy having these conversations. You enjoy learning more about these individuals that you have on your show. And you enjoy sharing their stories with others. That's exactly what your podcast is doing. And one of the advantages that you have that you may not even realize is you already have an audience. You have all of your students. You have all of that history with martial arts that that you that, that have, that's grown over the years, and people follow you for your experiences back in the day, all the way up to what you do today. And that built-in audience is so powerful, and it gives you the opportunity to do exactly what you're doing. You know, most of your episodes do have somewhat of a martial arts theme, so it speaks to the martial artists that are listening. Even if you don't have a martial artist theme in, in an episode or two, it doesn't really matter because you've got that built-in audience and you're doing exactly what you want to do. You're bringing heartfelt stories to the people that are part of your audience and you're accomplishing your goals in doing so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, that's that's good. See, that kind of stuff just pumps me. You know what I mean? That's that that coaching that, you know, I <laughs> I, I like that. I like being able to be coached and where to go so and i think you do an awesome job at this i mean i've watched everything uh, i want to make sure that we have all your you know i, I wrote down your podcast boost and, and we'll put down in my show notes everywhere to find you that you know you have this ability uh to to go to the next level um when you have a coach that can take you right so here's the thing like my journey right now is is this Brazilian jiu-jitsu i just mm -hmm. i love it you know it's just in my I didn't think at 60 years old, I'll be rolling around with freaking 20 year old kids and, and getting the, you know, and choke the, choke the crap out of them. It's awesome. Right. But I have this coach that has, has, you know, I really relate to the coach. And so it's just been really uh, a great journey. And I think that's where you're so invaluable that you get to coach. Now, if people listen to you, they'll, they'll take you to the next level. And when I found out that, this is what you do. I was so stoked that I have somebody that knows me and know and doesn't have a real problem of of letting me know, hey, this is where I think you should go. Because I've taken to heart a lot of stuff that you've said. We haven't you've been super busy, so we haven't got to have another phone conversation about it. But I want people to know that 
um, that are out here because I have other other guys that like to do a lot of podcasting that listen to this mm-hmm. stuff that the available and and where to direct yourself um, for your coaching and what it is and so I you know your podcast boost what is that exactly what is that website doing it's helping others launch their podcast I have a six week program that I've put together where we spend six weeks intense time together and we figure out exactly what your goals are exactly what your message is and exactly who your audience is and we go through every step of the process towards launching your podcast so one of the things that i really like to focus on is planning the podcast during that six weeks you know i like to say proper previous planning prevents poor podcast performance now you may have heard of the seven p's that's an old saying that has some military history to it but uh-huh. just put a little tweak to it you know just put a little tweak to it so <laughs> but yeah man that's the big thing is planning it out planning it out to, to so that you know exactly where you're going with your podcast what are your goals for your podcast who do you want to reach with the podcast and if you have specific goals in mind if you're looking to leverage your podcast to not only find listeners but also to find clients or grow your business or establish your brand or spread your message we plan for that so we know what to expect with each and every episode and we know what to expect over time so we can gauge where we're at on that path to our individual success yeah see that's that's just that's just awesome as far as uh um you have Hopper on here saying he loved it. The peas are crucial. <laughs> they sure are. And, and so um, I think that, you know, that's what was directed even more now because I'm, I'm kind of trying to I'm trying to take all this in today, what you said to me, all your, <laughs> your life stories. And I'm like, this is what makes him such a great coach. You know what I mean? This is what's going to make because uh, there's there's in your stories on on what being able to step out of a corporate world and do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or can this be my next, you know, in my head, in my own self, I said, can it, am I good enough? Will people listen to me enough that I can, this could be my next level as I grow older, that I get to take all that experience now and put it into, um, you know, something like this, because isn't it awesome that you're in Texas and I'm here and even this venue, this stream yard, we can have this conversation where yeah. it used to be have to be like you know one on one in in each other's um, space here and what we can do with it. So I look forward in and those that are listening, also friends of mine that have podcasts that do their own thing. Uh, I encourage you to reach out to Larry. You know, go look at his his, his stuff. It'll be in my show notes today, and and make a phone call with him and see if it's not if if it's something that you really want to want to do. So I'm hoping that we can get something out of that for you. So we, we, you know, we have a few minutes left because I, I was talking telling you, first of all, what's the red hat Supreme all about? Cause you wear it in all your pictures, <laughs> you wear it in your podcast. Is it just something you like, or is there something behind it? You know, it's, it's funny that Supreme is just a brand, you know, I, I saw it's what all the cool kids were wearing. So I'm like, I got to have me a Supreme hat. So I bought the Supreme hat and I've been wearing it. I don't know for a year or so now, <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah, maybe a year and a half or so. And I showed up a while back to an event. It was online. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to show up a little bit more. I'm going I'm to dude myself up a little bit. I'm going to get out of the hoodie because I'm also known for always wearing hoodies, regardless of what time of year, or where I'm at and the red hat and and the glasses, which I gotta tell you, <laughs> yeah, 
You know, <laughs> little trade secret there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I'm not even saying you have to watch to see what he just did. I'm not even going to tell you what he just did. You have to be watching. So I showed up, man, no hat, no, no goofy glasses. I had my hair all did and I had a collar on and I, I showed up and they were like, dude, if it wasn't for your background, we wouldn't even know that was you. <laughs> so that was a lesson in branding right there because I'm always in a hoodie, always in this hat, always with these glasses and people recognize that look, you know, I just got back from Nashville a uh, week before last and I was out there and this was the look. I went to two different events. I spoke at an event that was so cool. It was called Nashville rock and pod and it was for <laughs> rock and roll industry podcasters, man. It was the most awesome. Okay, now that would have been ever. awesome. It was, man, Mark Goodman was there, Ricky Rackman from Headbangers Ball, and Matt Pinfield from Headbangers Ball. It was the best, man. It was so great to share a stage with these guys. And I still, I showed up in this brand because it became me. That's why my headshots have this brand. I took a couple without the hat, but primarily you're going to see me in a hoodie hat and these fun little glasses here. So. And so that's exactly what I'm talking about. You taking your coaching to being what it is because this has caught me now, right? This has done yeah. exactly what you said it's going to do because I see it everywhere. Okay. I saw it when you came on. And I'm like, okay, is this rebrand something that he has, or is this just what he's kind of doing in all your new headshots and all that? That and I told yep. you too beforehand. I said, you know, I have a lot of you know different things in life, right? And one of them was super weight loss. Okay, yeah. Um, and you know, mine came from a from a health issue that getting blood clots was just kind of eye opening to me from an injury, not really developing them, and what that looked like. And I went on this journey and then I've seen that you've, you know, you're talking about like you were super skinny at one time and you had this stuff and then you, you've, then you've gotten, I don't know, maybe it was drinking. I'm not sure is what it was. It was what, after what the alcohol. That, uh -huh. um, they put me on when I first got sober, the, the facility that I was on also had outpatient services and I continued to see the doctors there for years and years, actually. Uh, I don't know. I'd say um, I just got off all the meds this year, as a matter of fact. Uh, so they had me on a variety of meds, and I had done a ton, a ton of physical and nerve damage to my body. That's just how out of control I got. Uh, there was actually a point after rehab where I was walking with a cane because every joint in my body was just inflamed. I could, It was horrible. So I couldn't move. And your body processes alcohol as sugar. And I also yeah. come out of rehab yeah. and I hated savory flavors. I wanted nothing to do with savory flavors. So uh, needless to say, I, I found solace in ice cream and candy and cookies and all these delicious things that I never even liked before. So uh, before I knew it, uh, the, uh, matter of fact, January 4th of this year, I weighed in at 326 pounds. And uh, that was like an eye opener for me. I was like, holy crap, dude. And I'm seeing pictures of me and my, my face is falling out from under hats. You know, it's just like, dude, you are freaking huge. So I had to step back and do something about it. So completely changed the diet. 180. I mean, just completely turned it around opposite direction, eating super, super healthy. And to take it back to the old school karate days, man, I'm telling you, we used to get on a bike. It was an Echo Rogue, and it's a stationary <laughs> bike, and it's got the handles. It's got the handles. The CrossFit journey. Dude, and I started jumping on that thing. I couldn't do more than a couple of minutes in January when I jumped on there, but I started hitting it every day. 
And uh, here I am today. I'm like 62 pounds lighter than I was eight months ago. So we are definitely on that journey. Got about another 50 pounds to go before I hit my ideal weight, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. It, it was something. I, you know, losing over 110 pounds, I think I'm at 115, 115 pounds. I think I've wow. lost so far. That's awesome. Um, you know, when I look back, same with you. When I, when I, when for really, when I saw a picture at my son's wedding in, in June of 2019, I was like, you, I mean, I could been fat bastard, you know what I mean? So I'm just telling you that it was not good, right? I was like, that is not a picture I want out and about until I'm like a lot lighter. Yep. And so I, that's one of those pictures I could step out of now, you know, you know, you do that for the, for the thing. And, and so I've always seen that uh, it, it's just great to see uh, as a coach that you continue on this. This is what I'm talking about. You know, this martial artist thing, right? We, you know, we have adversity put in front of us and then we overcome it. Anything that we learned on the mat or what we've done and how to persevere and how to take a punch and how to get knocked down and get back up. I mean, this is the fighter's man mentality. Okay. Go ahead and hit me and push me and knock me on my ass. I'm going to get right back up in your face, and then there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it, all right? Because I used to hear it all the time when I broke. Oh, you break bricks. You know, bricks don't hit back. <laughs> yeah, buddy, right? I heard it all the time. But I, every oh, time I, I told him, I said, I look at him, and I said, yeah, but see, the man that's hitting him, he does hit back. So, you know, and I'll hit back with a vengeance. You know what I mean? So I, I just I, I think that that's such an inspirational story. And so I think I'm going to let you take the, the last reins here and – uh, talk as a coach, what you think, um, for people to, you know, I, I just give a quick coach's talk to me, what you want to have to end the show. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll end on this. Cause I could sit here and talk for another hour with you, but, um, I want you to be the coach at the end and give us some words of a coaching's word and let, let you take it away and end yeah, it man, for us know- today. I, I think the, the message that I have for everybody, regardless of what you're doing, where you come from, what your history is, is again, I said it earlier in the podcast, it doesn't have to define you. We're all going to be hit with trials and tribulations throughout our lives. We're going to be victims of certain circumstances that we are beyond that's beyond our control that we can't control, but it doesn't have to define us. What does define us is that internal fighting spirit and our desire to continue on, to move forward, to persevere. You know, we have a superhero theme running through this thing with the Hulk on one side and Batman on the other. But I always think back to Captain America and what was it? Steve Rogers, I think is his name, that was actually became Captain America. He's getting his ass whooped time and time again, but he gets back up time and time again. And he says, I can do this all day. Yeah, And that's what we have that. to do. We have to do it all day. And it's that way, whether it's your career that you're working on, whether it's a hobby you're working on, whether it's a podcast that you're working on, you're also going to go through trials and tribulations, growing your podcast or starting a podcast or getting those ever elusive downloads. But if you persevere, you stay consistent, you continue to train, you continue to evolve, then you're going to reach that next level. You're going to hit those goals that you set for yourself. So don't let anything get in your way. Yeah, it's just awesome. You know, that's their, that's your fighter's mentality. You know, you've, you've, you've been fighting, I guess, Larry, for, for a long time, right? It's just a long time, brother. uh, You you know, it's (laughs) whether it's in the ring or whether it's in life. I mean, the lessons learned both in the ring and then the beauty of the ring is we get to hit somebody back for a minute. You know what I mean? That's the beauty (laughs) of it, right? It's just like, uh, I do miss those days. Yes. (laughs) Trust me. Trust me when I say, <laughs> you know, is that warrior spirit uh, never does leave you. You know, you remember the 
what it feels like to impact and all that. You got to be careful. Give me all goosebumpy again. You wanted to hit somebody in the face. Um, so I just wanted to take this time in and thank you for coming on here because I know how busy you are, Larry, and uh, what that's going to look like. Oh, see, I got one of those. I know you do. I, I had to make sure I got my little mini Bob because I saw this on. See? I think <laughs> he's right here. Yeah, man. I got. I saw it on your desk, and I said, "Oh my god!" I went right to Century. I looked up mini Bob, and I had to have one, brother. So every once in a while, I'll pick up mini Bob, and I'll just you know, I'll, yeah, I'll, so give, he, I'll give a. That's right. He sits right here sometimes. I'm like this motherfucker. Right. And uh, so, I, I mean, this guy has been a lot. I've given this guy out his gifts now. You know what I mean? Oh, that's awesome. This is uh, this is way better than the uh, the little ball. Right. You when you hit it, the stress ball that they look like a little uh, speed bag. Bob is just a bitter, better bet because you yeah. can uh, you can throw them and you can do this. And, you know, I'm like, man, I can just rip freaking head off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so this. That's funny that you saw him because I did have him out one day, right? I did have yep, him out on my desk yep. one day, and I'm just like, "This is that's so funny that you got that." Um, yeah, I love him, so that's great. All right, Larry. Well, I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to. Uh, uh, we'll have this out, guys, on um, audio. Also, you know, we'll be able to look up the on on my YouTube channel at Mark Hawks Podcast. It, it'll be on my YouTube channel. It'll be here live. You can see the video of it, and I'll have the audio version out. Once I do some editing off of it today at some point, Larry, and then you can kind of share it with your audience. Cool. And uh, if you're looking, guys, for uh, coaching, make sure you look up uh, Larry Roberts and uh, martial artist, fighter, you know, husband, recovering, alcoholic. Human being, know, man. Just a human being. The main supreme. This with. <laughs> You know, and if you want to see what he did with his glasses, you're going to have to watch it. And you're going to have to watch the whole thing in order to see what he did, because that is funny. All right. All right, man. Well, I hope you have an awesome day. I look forward to uh, our chats in, here in the future uh, so you can kind of help me move forward. And, uh, and Reach out anytime. Right. Man. Don't hesitate. Re I'll make time for you for sure. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Larry. All right. We'll see you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.